Y'all should have been in the room on a Friday morning of our trip. May have been Saturday. I know it was Friday. And uh, we felt like the Lord just wanted to sit us all down and us just share testimonies of what he had done, honestly, in our life. Some people went back 10 years. Some people went back two days. I thought it would take about 10 minutes just to hear some young people testify that what the Lord is doing. An hour and a half later, there were people weeping just about what God had done in their life. We did it on the college trip, too. Our college group took a trip to Miami, Florida, and we just went out. We had a beautiful place on a balcony overlooking downtown Miami, and we just went out there and just brought a notebook out there, and we just reflected on what God had done. By the time we got done reflecting, we had like two or three pages each of instances where God's faithfulness had been on display in our life. And I'm telling you, if you've never done that, you need to go home tonight, turn the TV off, put your phone on silent, go into a separate room from it, pull out a sheet of paper and reflect and say, God, remind me of the times that you've been there. God, remind me of the times that you've been faithful because I promise that there's coming a day where you're going to enter a season that's dry. You're going to enter a season that may be hard and you're only going to have his faithfulness to look back and remind yourself on. And if you don't have a list, you need to be able to go back to it. And I believe the testimony of the righteous is the testimony of David where he looked back at the end of his life and he said, I've once been young and now I've been old, but not one time have I ever seen the righteous forsaken. I'm telling you, he's a faithful God. And I look back over the course of my life in this moment of all the times I've been faithless, yet he still remains faithful. Of all the times I turned my back, yet he never turned his. Of all the times I turned my face and he looked on me and loved and grabbed me by the chin and just said, I'm still here. <laughs> and you need to get in on this. Lauren, you want to share about the trip? I just want to say I'm so proud of our youth. I saw so many that you don't really see talk much here. And really you don't see talk much at all that completely came out of their shells in one-on-one, -on -one, like when we were together in the, in the house, but also in service, I saw some of them running. I didn't even know where they were. Like, I, I was just kind of getting it for myself, and all of a sudden, somebody said, hey, some of our girls are running around the church. I don't even know who all of y'all was. I kind of flipped out because we're responsible for these young people, and there's 2,000 people, and I'm like. And they're running, making laps around the church. So I was so excited to see that and just see how they opened up and how they, I feel like they found themselves at this trip. And one thing I'll say a lot of times, we've always done Winterfest. And I love Winterfest. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's amazing. But a lot of times we go on the trip, and I think anybody that's been can, can say amen to this. You go on a trip, and it's almost like you put on a coat of glory, and you wear it while you're there. But the first attack that comes, you, it's really easy to just take that coat off and just lay it down, and you pretty much lost everything that you got while you were there. But my prayer was, as we were, I think it was actually during worship at the conference, I was like, Lord, don't let it be a coat, but let it be something that is weaved so deep to the core of these kids. It's embedded, and they, it's something that they can't get rid of. It's something that just continues to grow. And I'm not going to lie, the enemy is fault. Right after we came back, I had two girls that um, one came to me and one came on behalf of a friend that the enemy was already attacking. This was on Monday and on Tuesday, and then we had a third attack. The enemy's mad at what God's done in these young people, but just seeing them today and seeing how they worshiped, it's not holding you back. It's not keeping you down, and so I'm just proud of you guys, proud of what's God, what God is doing in you, and if you have a youth that's in this group, just be expectant. You don't know what you're going to see. You may wake up in the middle of the night, and they may be running around your backyard. They may be speaking in another language, um, 
You just don't know. I don't know, know what God's going to do. But the excitement and the expectancy that I see in these, just looking at their eyes and just seeing their hearts whenever they worship and whenever they pray, be expectant. God is doing something incredible in this group. Yeah. One more thing, and then we're going to pray, and then Lauren and I are just going to share our heart with you for a little while this morning before we go. Um, just because you see your child in this altar doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It means there's something right. Parents got to watch themselves. I know you're the parent, but I've heard. You see your child down there, it's like, oh, God, what's the devil doing now? What if the better question is, oh, thank God. We just want to pray, and then I'm going to dismiss this worship team, and then we're going to share just for 15, 20 minutes about what God's doing and what we believe he's saying in this hour. So just bow your heads. Father, we are thankful for this moment. We give you glory, God. Above all else, we just give you thanks. And right now in this moment, we just ask you for your wisdom. I know in every heart, I thank you, God, that your hand is upon us. And we're thankful for what you're going to do. Somebody that agreed, shout it, amen. 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 This year has been a reset. Everybody shout reset. reset. I say it a lot, but you got to have young people repeat what you say or they like doze off. So if we just subconsciously and naturally say, repeat what we say, just go with us. Show us some grace today. Can you, can you help us out with that? But this year has been a reset. For, I mean, it's a word we've been using a lot in this church. And it's been a reset, honestly, for many of us. In a way, 2020 kind of demanded it, did it not? Uh, when the world just got, ugh. <laughs> Uh, culture got, uh, and politics got, uh, it's just like, okay, well, we just need to hit the reset button and just start fresh. And uh, the reality is when we walk through life, things happen. How many, of you, how many of you have ever walked through a tough season? It's most people in here, probably all people in here. Things attach to us. We grab a hold of things. And there are many times, not just once in this life, but many times throughout this life where we've got to just reach up and hit the reset button, get recalibrated get realigned. In the youth, it's a word we've been using a lot, and we've taught it over and over and over again. With the college ministry, we're actually even walking our way through a book by Jeremy Riddle called The Reset. If you have not read it, have not heard about it, I am pushing this thing right now. We are not getting paid to push this. I am pushing this because it's great. And it just talks about returning to a life of undivided devotion. And we've been walking through this book with our college ministry uh, just about what God is doing in this hour and how he's resetting his people. A lot of you even got the wristbands. And on one side of it, what did it say? Reset. Help me out. Reset. And on the other side, it said 2021 because we believe that this is the word of God for this people in this hour. You with me? And um, so... What you're going to hear from us today is, is super simple. Hopefully, it's as simple as it gets, but we believe that it's what God is saying. Kim, if you'll go ahead and put the reset slide up. When we talk about reset, um, the first thing I personally think of, and we actually sat down with the youth and asked them what they think of when they hear the word reset. The first thing I thought of, and Nathan, you'll understand this, is my MacBook Pro. All right, if you've never... Has anybody here ever heard of a factory reset on, like, a computer? I'm telling you. My computer was so clogged up with pictures, videos, files from three years back that I was just, like, feeling anxious on the inside just because my computer was clogged up. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that. Okay, let's go this way. If your phone is, like, out of storage and you go to take a picture and it says, sorry, out of storage, and it's, like, at the most inconvenient time possible, is that not frustrating? How many of you, are, when you swipe your phone up and you've got emails that are like little red number notifications on the top, that's like a thousand. Is that anybody in here? Because personally, I can't stand that. 
I need the thing to not have a number on it. So I'm like, I will go out outside of my day to just delete it just so the number will go away. <laughs> but when you factory reset a MacBook Pro, I did, it, I did it in January, and I felt like heaven entered the room when I did it. I hit reset on my computer, and all 1,000 gigabytes of stuff that had just been clogged just choo, and it said, you, it said, like, welcome to your new MacBook Pro. And I was just like, oh, like, praise God. But it was the factory reset. Nathan, you know exactly what I'm, I called him stressing out. I was like, bro, you, you factory reset your computer. I want to do it too. Tell me how. And it wiped it clean. And it was just the best feeling ever. Uh, another thing we talked about was on an Xbox. Now, I haven't played video games since the GameCube. Some of you in here have not played video games since the Nintendo 64. Somebody raise your hand if that's you. That's got one back there. <laughs> But on the Xbox, on these, on these game cubes and PlayStations and Xboxes, whatever it is, there's a reset button where if things start going wrong and glitching up, what can you do? You just push the button and it resets itself and you get to play the game again, right? Another thing we talked about was in basketball. I think Catherine actually shared this with us. You have five people on the court playing basketball supposed to be running a specific play. But when somebody gets in the place they're not supposed to or the play becomes discombobulated, you'll hear the coach yell from the sidelines, reset the play, reset the play. And everybody goes back to their original position. Does somebody see where I'm going with this? I'll list one more. I think Taylor Manley shared with us about band. But have you, if you've never seen them on a Friday night, it's pretty spectacular to have 250, 200 people like going in sync with each other, playing the right music and stepping the right way at the same time. But when one person gets out of line, she said the band director will actually yell that word. Reset, reset. And everybody goes back to their original position. A reset is a restoring back to the starting point. I'm telling you, it's more than a word that you wear on your wrist. It is going back to the place where we started. And I'm telling you that that is what God is saying to us in this hour. That brings me to the question, where did we start? If we're supposed to go back to the starting point and reset, where did we start? I'll go ahead and answer your question. We started in the Garden of Eden. We didn't start yesterday. We didn't start in the good season that used to be. We didn't even start when we got saved. We got started in the Garden. What was it like in the Garden? Have you ever read Genesis chapter 1 and 2? Oh, it was beautiful. God on the first day created light, and then on the second, the firmament and the, the skies, and then he went on to create the mountains and the valleys and the grass and then he created the water, and then he put fish in them, and then he put animals. But on the sixth day, he created man. Then he put breath in their lungs and brought Eve alongside him. And here's what we see that's so beautiful about the Garden of Eden. You may say it was a landscape that was beautiful. I, I bet it was. I bet it was absolutely beautiful. But I think what was more beautiful is that it was God and it was humanity together in the garden. And I believe that when we reset what he is calling us back to is a place like the beginning of time. A place like the garden where we walk with God and that's all we do. We have become so consumed in work. We have become so consumed in 401ks. We have become so consumed in what, what project we can do next and we have abandoned the reason that we are alive and that's to take his hand and walk with him in the garden again. Somebody shout glory. It was a beautiful place. And the Lord is calling us back to the place where we can discover what it means to walk with him. Everybody shout reset. reset. 
Some would say that, you know, Colin, that's an unrealistic picture. That was before sin entered the world, right? That was too perfect, too good to be true. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. And I would agree with you if it wasn't for the fact of what Jesus did. When he came to the cross, he actually restored everything that was broken in the garden. What, what was broken at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he actually restored on another tree that was on a hillside called Calvary. On a mountain that the Bible calls Golgotha. And he spread his arms wide. And in the moment that he cried out, said, it's finished. And he yielded himself back to the Father. What was broken when Eve ate the apple was restored in its fullness. So I just want to remind you this morning, and then we're going to share, that we are called back to that place to take him by the hand. Jesus made it possible. Anybody else thankful for that? Jesus made it possible for us to take God by the hand and walk with him. Go to Psalm 27, if you would, Kim. Let's read this verse together. This is David. It says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Here's what I love about this verse. I love that David didn't say the first thing I desire. What did he say? One thing I desire. What's the difference? Here we are creating lists. God first, family second, friends third, work fourth, and David just throws the list to the side and said, there is just one thing I'm after. We create a hierarchy of priorities in our heart that says, okay, as long as God's first, everything else is fine. I don't even think that's true. I think that God has to be everything. Somebody help me right there. David said, one thing I desire, and when we're called back to this, when we're called back to the garden, this is what it's about. Where it's not about work, it's not about school, it's not about sports, achievements, accolades, anything. It is about being with him, period. Many in here are burnt out. I just want to get real. I felt this in my heart in prayer. Everybody say burnt out. Has anybody else been there? Burnout happens when your doing exceeds your being. Think about it. Burnout happens when you get so focused on what you're supposed to do that you forget just to be with him. We see it in Mary and Martha in the book of Luke, don't we? What was Martha doing? Fixing Jesus some food in the kitchen. What was Mary doing? Bowed down at his feet. Jesus rebuked Martha for serving him. Serving him's not wrong, but when you abandon being with him to serve him, we've missed the point. And the Lord's calling us back to his feet to sit there. Parents, Husbands, wives, grandparents, everybody under the sound of my voice, everybody listening online. He's calling us back to the beginning of time where we sit at his feet and we be with him. What we want to do this, this morning is walk through five things that we believe the Lord's calling us to return to. Five things that the Lord's calling us to reset to. I'm going to share a few. Lauren's going to share a few. And then we're going to pray together. The first thing we believe uh, that the Lord is calling us to is to return to the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. Honestly, evaluate your life right now. When's the last time you read it? Yeah, that one's tough, isn't it? And I'm not talking about the verse of the day that pops up on your phone that you read before you go to sleep at night just to check it off and feel good about yourself. I'm talking about actually opening the word of God and saying, Father, I'm here to, to hear your voice today. I'm telling you, God's calling us back to that place. One thing we've been doing in the youth is we actually entered into a series called Bible Stories. And we were blessed. Uh, somebody sold $2,000 to the youth, and we took about 1,100 of it and got two 70-inch TVs for the wall. And uh, we have just put the Bible on the screen. And either Lauren or I and Greg led one time, we just read the book. 
Uh, you'd be amazed at how many people knew David slew the giant but have never read the story. You'd be amazed at how many people knew Noah built an ark but have never read the story. You'd be amazed at how many people knew God spoke creation into existence but have never read the story. You'd be amazed at how many people know God parted the Red Sea but they have never read the story. And so we just read it and we just talk about what God's doing. In our college group, we've actually launched a Bible reading plan. We're all reading through the Bible in a year because we know God is calling us back to the Bible. And it doesn't just apply to young people. It applies to everyone in this room. We must get back to his word. We need to stop being too analytical about this thing. Stop over-processing it and overthinking it and just open his book and read it. Some people get paralysis by analysis. And they sit there and wonder where to read. And for two weeks, they're wondering where to read, but they never get started. I'm telling you, just open the book and start reading and ask him to speak to you. You ain't got to sit there for an hour. You ain't got to sit there for three minutes. But sit there and ask him to speak. And however long he keeps you will be more than enough. I am charging us as a people to get back to the word of God. To get off Facebook for a minute. To quit ranting on Facebook. To quit getting involved in arguments that are not ours to get involved in. And to embrace getting back to his Bible again. Are you with me in that? Huh. You can go ahead and say, I need a break. <laughs> the next one we wanted to talk about was prayer and how we need to return to prayer personally. We need to return to prayer as a church. And a few things I wrote down, and I'm going to have to have my marker so I don't lose myself. <laughs> don't wait until something bad happens to return to prayer. How many of you have either dealt with that personally or you know somebody else that has? They can, like, be a, be a Christmas um, Christian or an Easter Christian or a Mother's Day Christian. They don't pray any other time of the year, but let somebody come down with cancer, and they come right to church, and they come right to God. Um, and I've always heard the saying, what do they say? Um, it's easy to pray when you're on the mountain. Have you heard that? It's easy to pray when you're on the mountain. And I do think that's true because life is easy, so it's easy to give God praise for it. But at the same time... I think too many times when we're on the mountain, we don't really feel a need to pray because everything's good. And so we just go through life and it's like, oh, I'm high and I'm on the mountain. I'm walking with God. But do we pray? Do we really walk with him? If that's our thought process, then we are totally missing it. Yeah. Because prayer isn't circumstantial. It's communion and it's just being with him. Sometimes, and I don't, I don't believe that God puts bad things on people, but I do believe that he'll use those circumstances to win you back, whatever it takes. So sometimes it takes a valley, in my opinion, to actually put you back on the mountain to where you are in that place where you're ready to pray and you're ready to be with God. Don't wait. Don't wait until something bad happens. Hmm. If that's anybody in this place today, and I don't know your heart, but I do know that we can come to church, we can look the part, but we're not always actually the part. We can come sit on the church pews every Sunday. We can come to prayer meeting every Monday night. But that doesn't mean that we're where we need to be with God. And if that's you, just know God's running after you in hot pursuit of your heart. He wants all of you, every piece, every little inch of who you are. He wants to win your heart back. 
Um, one thing that we've started doing, and I think it's super important, as our youth group, we've actually, we start class at 6.30 on Wednesday nights, but at 6.15, we just started this Wednesday, we bring them in 15 minutes early. It's not forced, but those that want to pray, we bring them in for 15 minutes, and we just have a time of prayer, and then we jump right into worship. One thing we've talked about, and we've talked about prayer, I would say, multiple times to our youth, but I think it's important that you set the foundation when they're at the age that they are now. And so when they get up, they know it's already there. It's already embedded in who they are. Even if they wander away, it's still there. It's still there. And I'm not trying to call anything out, but when I look at you, Kathy, your mama, she prayed for you. Even when you wondered, you came back. It was there. You know, it was there. And so we're trying to instill prayer in you guys now. No matter where life takes you, no matter what the world throws your way, no matter if you wander away, it's there. And I believe that you're going to come back to it. It's important to start now. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we want to start it with them, and, and Amy wants to start it with the kids at the age that they are now. But if you're past that point, start now. Wherever it is in life that you are, start now. The time is now to get involved in prayer, to go back to prayer, to go back to what it's all about. He just wants to be with you. He's not looking for fancy prayers. And that's one thing I can speak from a personal level here. He's looking for conversation. And he's looking... For just the raw you. You don't have to impress him. When I was a little bit younger, before I guess I developed a prayer life with God, like truly, um, when I would pray in front of people, I felt like I was trying to impress people with my words. When I was behind closed doors, I would try to impress God with my words. And I felt like I had to say certain things, and I had to start a certain way, and I had to end a certain way, and I had to make sure I said all of these certain things in my prayers. But it became a routine. And it became a fight to impress, whether it was people or whether it was God. It was a fight to impress. And so I had to get to the point to where I understood that it wasn't about that at all, that he just wanted my heart. And so I tried to, to break, that, break that way of thinking and that way of praying, and I just started having conversation. And I said... I talk to him like I talk to, to Colin. And if I'm frustrated about something, I'll tell him. I'll say, God, I'm frustrated about this. I need you to help me with my attitude. I need you to help me with what I'm about to say, how I'm about to handle a situation, what I need to do with this and that. I also felt this odd sense of pressure that I had to talk the entire time when I was praying. Does anybody else feel sometimes like you're afraid to just sit because you don't really feel like you're effective? I was there, and it, it just felt like I was afraid to just sit down. I didn't think there could be quiet time. I felt like I always had to be talking, and then I felt like I prayed the same thing over and over again, and I was like, Lord, what do I say next? Okay, well, I've been in here for five minutes, and I'm tired. I don't even know what else to say. But then I realized that it's okay to just sit and be with him. If I talk to Colin 
as much as he loves me and as much as I love him, if I come up and I'm consistently talking to him, he's going to say, Lauren, you need to shut up. I just want to be with you. It's true. It's true. It's okay. We can just sit on the couch. We don't have to talk. I just want to be with you. And uh, I will say this, though. I don't want you to think you, you can't talk to the Lord because it's important. Conversation is important with the Lord. But sometimes he just wants to speak to you. So you just have to sit there. And that's okay. Sometimes me and Colin, we don't even have to talk, but we can just sit there. We're together. It's the same way with the Lord. Sometimes he just wants to be with you. You don't have to fight to impress with fancy words or big words or how many words you can say or how much time you're in the prayer closet. That's another thing. I used to feel so bound. I've got to spend an hour. I have to spend an hour in the prayer closet or I didn't really do what I needed to do. And I think I put that, I, mean, I know I put that pressure on myself because the Lord doesn't call us to necessarily come and spend an hour right now. I think if we live a lifestyle of prayer, we're all praying throughout the day, our heart is in sync with the Father, and we're just living it and we're walking it every minute of every day. We don't have to go sit for an hour. It is important that we talk to Him because if we don't converse with Him, we don't even know who He is. It's the same way with your, your spouse or your family or friends. If you don't talk, you have no idea who they are. So if I'm walking the Christian walk, but I don't ever talk to God, then the one that I claim to serve, I don't even have a clue who he is. Because I don't ever talk to him. He knew you from the very beginning. And now he wants you to know him for who he is. In Genesis 22, he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. In Judges 6, he's Jehovah Shalom, your peace. In Exodus 15, he's Jehovah Rapha, your healer. In Exodus 17, he's Jehovah Nisi, your victory. And in Genesis 17, he's El Shaddai, God Almighty. If you don't know him as these things in your life, then you don't truly know who he is. And I don't say that to say that you're not saved, that you don't know him in that way. But I am saying that you don't know who you serve. If you don't know him as these things in your life. And I can look back at each one of these instances and see where he's provided for me. Where he's brought peace to me. Where he's healed me. Where he's brought victory. And where he has just reigned as the almighty in my life. I know him as that. And if you don't know him as that, you need to know him. Truly, truly know him. We must come back to prayer. It's a priority. And too many times we push it to the back burner because we feel like we don't have time to do it. But we make time for everything else. We have to come back. The next thing that we wrote down that we feel like we need to return to, uh, you've got the Bible, you've got prayer, we've got to return to devotion. You're taking notes, write that one down, return to devotion. We've used a phrase the past few weeks with the youth, what is birthed in encounter is only sustained through devotion. When you have an encounter with God, anybody in this room ever had an encounter with God? If devotion is not the byproduct, then it will just be a great phase that you look back on and wish you could experience again. But when devotion comes... And you say, Father, I don't just want this to be an encounter. I want this to be a lifestyle. And you learn to live before his face all hours of the day. 
and you just wake up in the morning and you're just, Father, I'm thankful to be with you today. And then you go to, you lay your head on the pillow at night, Father, I'm thankful that I am with you today. You following me? If you don't develop devotion, encounter will just be a cool face. And I'm telling you, we're pounding this thing because God's glory was never meant to just stay upon us for a time. It was meant to stay upon us for a lifetime and then be passed to the generation after and then stay on them for a lifetime and passed on that we'd all learn to carry forward his glory. There are people in here who are so concerned with everything but that. And I, I just want to encourage you this morning just to slow down, put your eyes on Jesus and enjoy being with him. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, go back to Mary and Martha. Martha was serving him. And there's a lot of people in this world running around rampant trying to do things for God, but they have abandoned being with him. And the Lord's heart is just like, what is going on? And he looks at this generation and he looks at the modern day church in America and he look, says what he says to Martha. He says, just come back and sit at my feet. We've got to return to devotion. Everybody say devotion. devotion. The, is this the third one or the fourth one? Fourth one. The fourth one. We have to return to worship. John 4.23, do you have that, Kim? It says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. There's also a call to worship, and I think these two are in there too. Psalm 99 and 5. It says, exalt the Lord our God, worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Psalm 99, 96 and 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. We too easily forget the call to worship. And I think it's because there's too many other things in life that are calling us and fighting for our attention. And we answer that call before we answer the call to worship. Today is the day that you answer the call. And I still believe that there are people that this morning during this powerful time of worship that we had, I feel like there were some that didn't get it. And I don't know who you are. I'm not trying to call anybody out. But you'll answer the call to work or you'll answer the call to TV or you'll answer the call to your phone or you'll answer the call to your family or your friends or shopping or whatever it may be. But when God calls you to simply come away to worship, it's too much. And we find something else that we can do. Always, and I've done it. I've been so guilty of that where I watch TV and I feel a drawing to be with him alone. But the show seems more important at the time. It's not. Nothing is more important than worshiping your father. He is good. We have to understand that worship is not about us. And too many times we make it that way. I've also made it that way. When I was younger, I used to worry about what it looked like when I would worship or what it sounded like when I would worship or who was watching me or judging me. I made it about myself. And if I didn't feel like it, I didn't do it. If I came in on a Sunday morning and it was just a rough week, I just didn't do it. I was like, it's okay. I'll clap my hands. I'll, you know, whatever. 
but I don't really feel like worshiping. Sometimes we got to put our feelings to the side because I'm just going to tell you it's not what you feel like. Do you think Jesus felt like going to the cross? But he did it for you. He did it for you. I had to come to the place where I understand that worship is not about me, but it's all about him. And I want to just hit on what we sang about this morning. 2 Samuel 6 and 14. This would be the last one, Kim. And David danced before the Lord with all his mind. Do you think he cared what people thought about the way he looked? I'm sure he was shouting. Do you think he cared how he sounded or who was judging him or who was looking or what they thought? One thing that Devin Wallace said when we were on the trip this past weekend, and Leslie actually hit on it during worship this morning. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And one thing she said, and it stood out to me so strong, she said, my might might look different than your might, and that's okay. We're all walking in different seasons of time. And maybe in the season of life that you're in right now, the best that you can muster up is a clap. But that's okay if you clap with all your might. Maybe all you can do is stomp your foot. And that's okay, too, as long as you stomp with all your might. Don't compare your worship. Don't compare your worship to anybody else. Because like I said, we're all in different seasons. And sometimes, sometimes our worship is broken. Sometimes our worship is because we're joyous. It's all different. But today, it's time to get your dance back. He danced before the Lord like nobody was watching. Greg, you come here just a second. When I tell you, I just want you to just I believe, and I believe the Bible says, call no man a fool. So I'm not calling no man a fool. <laughs> but I believe David was a fool for God. And I believe that he didn't care what it looked like. And you know that he had stuff too. I know that we're walking in a different time and, you know, maybe our circumstances are different than things he had to deal with, but he had stuff too. And if you've never read up on David and everything that he did and everything that he went through, you might want to study up on that. David danced before the Lord. Go ahead, Greg. He danced before the Lord and he didn't care what people thought. He gave it everything that he had, everything that he was. Everything that he was. It's time to get your dance back today. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. And it doesn't matter who's judging you. Let them judge. As long as the King of Kings is pleased with your worship. That is what it's all about. That is what it's all about. It's time to come back to worship. It is time to come back to worship. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not just a moment, but it's something that we live. It is something that we walk every single day. And when we get away from worship, 
we're actually doing ourselves an injustice. Not that we're making it about ourselves, but we're depriving our Father. We have to come back. We have to come back. Would you stand? Ashley, will you play? last thing we've got to return to is we've got to return to sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Throughout the Old Testament, you see animal sacrifices. When sin was made, something had to die. And God in his mercy said, I'm not going to take out my wrath on humanity. I'm actually going to look at the blood of a bull and I'm going to look at the blood of a goat. And I'm going to pour my judgment out on that. It's the most beautiful picture of his compassion and his love. We see that completely eradicated when Jesus came onto the scene. And once and for all, he became the eternal sacrifice on our behalf. And he put his own blood on the mercy seat. Have you read the story? He put his own blood on the mercy seat. And to this day, his blood is still sitting there pleading on our behalf. And those of us who have been born again would get covered in the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And when God the Father looks at us, he doesn't see the sin and the filthy rags of our old righteousness, but he sees the blood of Jesus sitting on our lives. And there's going to come a day where we stand before God the Father, hopefully at the judgment seat of Christ. And when he looks you in the eyes, the question becomes, is the blood of Jesus on your life? It doesn't matter what's in your 401k. It doesn't matter how much good you've done, how many books you've written, sermons you've preached, or songs you've sang. It matters if his blood is on your life. Somebody shout, yeah. And I just sense the invitation of the Lord for a divine reset this morning where we return to the Bible, we return to the Word of God, we return to prayer, we return to devotion, we return to worship, and we return to sacrifice. You say, Colin, well, Jesus has already gone to the cross. There's no need for sacrifice anymore. It's not even the case. Romans 12 says that we are to become living sacrifices. What's a living sacrifice? It's a sacrifice that's alive. Who's alive? We are. What's our responsibility to become a sacrifice and willingly put ourselves down on the altar and say, Father, I am dying to myself right now, and I am asking you to come and engulf me in flames. Stay with me. I'm asking you to come and bring your fire upon this sacrifice and burn every impurity out of me so that I can be refined once again. I'm telling you, the Lord's calling us back to a place of sacrifice where we wake up in the morning and our first response is to lay that lay back down on the altar, just like Isaac did in Genesis 22. Have you read that story? Up upon Mount, Mount Moriah, Isaac laid down. Isaac was like 47 years old at the time. He could have beat Abraham. He could have wrestled out of Abraham's grip, but he chose to lay down on the altar. You following me? He chose to lay down on the altar and say, Father, I'm yours. And I just believe the invitation today is for that very thing. There are things that we have picked up in this life. There are things that have grabbed a hold of us in this life that we were never meant to carry. And I just want to invite you, if that's you right now, just to come and lay that thing down at his feet. Whatever it is, this is the invitation right now to come. If you picked up anything that didn't need to be yours 
if you've carried anything that you weren't supposed to carry, to come and lay it down at his feet right now. Father, I thank you right now for a draw of your Holy Spirit, for a divine reset right now. Holy Spirit, I pray for great courage. Great courage. I feel an anointing in my hands right now just to lay hands on somebody. A lot of times when that happens, my hands will just get super hot and it feels like they're on fire. So I just want to pray that the fire of God would come upon your life. Don't miss this. I said, I'm not preaching hogwash to you right now. I sense the anointing of God in this room. Fire of God. Fire of God, come in the name of Jesus. Fire of God, come in the name of Jesus. It doesn't have to look like a shout and a run. It comes and it burns out anything that's not of him. Fire of God, come in Jesus' name. Brand new. Fire of God, come. Thank you, Lord. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Fire of God, come. Fire of God, come. Fire of God, come right now in Jesus' name. Fire of God come.